that we are all children of God. We do not uh, uh, accept that for a moment because we are created by God and we are created in His image. All of that is correct. And there is stamped upon every human being the likeness of God and the ability to worship God. But by nature, we're sinners. We are fallen, corrupt, and we all need new hearts. Now, we need to be born again and brought into God's family. And I hope that that is true of you, that you can refer to yourself as a brother, a sister, a believer in the body, in the family of Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and it is a joy for me always to bring the message of the gospel, to sit behind this microphone and to read the scriptures, to share with you the great things of God, and to introduce to you the pulpit ministry of our church here in Cloverdale. That is my daily joy. I praise God for it. I pray that God will make it a blessing to every hearer, And we're thankful for all who let us know that you're listening in and for those who support us faithfully. We are ever thankful. We give our praises to the Lord our God. This is March, and we're working up our way to Easter, and each day we have a little thought on Calvary. Today we'll be looking at the sinless person, who offered up a sinless sacrifice for sin. Oh, what an amazing thing. Jesus did not die for his own sin. He died for our sins. That's substitution. Uh, Then we have atonement, uh, that he died to reconcile us to God. And we also have uh, the Lord Jesus in his death, suffering supernaturally. Jesus did not die as a martyr. He did not die merely as an example, but he died for us in our place. All of this is just the amazing plan of God to save our souls. And we'll be coming to our message on Let Brotherly Love Continue. In the Church of the Lord Jesus, there is to be that expression and experience of the most wonderful society of people ever imaginable, people who each one filled with the love of the Lord Jesus and that love flowing to one another. Stay tuned as we come to our message today on Let Brotherly Love Continue. And so if you're going to keep good friendships It's best not to sell that used car uh, to a friend. The other piece of advice is to have good neighbors. Make sure you build good fences. It's just common sense. If you're going to keep up a good relationship, make the boundaries and respect those boundaries. Now, brotherly love can also hurt when it is betrayed. And those who know you best, well, they know your tender spots. They know your weaknesses. And friendship 
always means making yourself vulnerable. To some degree, you let down your guard. You share your needs and cares and burdens. The Lord Jesus, of course, was bitterly betrayed by Judas. Judas, who spent three years with the Lord, knew the ins and the outs of the Lord's life, and what a betrayal he made. But don't forget there were 11 disciples who did not betray the Lord. Now, we know that Peter denied him in weakness, but he grieved over that. That hurt Peter, didn't hurt the Lord. And while there was one Judas, there were 11 strong, faithful disciples who loved the Lord even unto death. And you have to be careful that you don't feel so wounded by one that you don't enjoy the fellowship of others in your Christian circle. There are many that are faithful and strong and will help you in many situations, and you can enter into that with joy and with gladness. So those are some of the pressures that are on brotherly love. Now we want to look at the opportunities for brotherly love. And you'll notice that uh, there is, uh, in verse 2, the mention of hospitality. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Now, hospitality can be extended in many levels. Of course, there is the law of kindness. It can be extended in the home, in your family, but it also begins at church. We read that text in Galatians 6.10, especially the household of faith. And we must befriend, entertain, and that is a broad concept, entertaining. And I think the picture is given here of a stranger knocking your door, one that, for whatever reason, needs food, needs sustenance, needs to be supported in a time of emergency. Let your door be the one that people will want to knock at, because you are known for hospitality. And so, by your very presence, by your participation in the church, in the meetings, in prayer, in fellowship, you entertain, you support, and you strengthen. When you run away from that, you rob the church. You rob when you are absent from that kind of ministry. And so, it begins in the household of faith, in the body of Christ, but it also extends in the community. There are people who meet adversity, hard times, sickness, bereavement, and all of these are opportunities. They are those times when people will respond to help, to comfort, to a kind word, even to a gospel word, when on other occasions the opportunity may be lost or closed. You may go to them in those times of need. 
Now, this comes up in the book of Hebrews, and this letter, research tells that this letter was specifically written to Jerusalem Christians, Christians who were persecuted. And if you remember the persecution of Saul, uh, there was famine in Jerusalem as well. There were days of great hardship. And this social assistance, this kindness and generosity to people in need was something that the Christian church became known for, became known as a place of help and a place of support. Now, hard times may fall upon any one of us. You will see here in verse 3 at the end, and them which suffer adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. We are vulnerable. There may be a day of need in our lives, and we need to be known as one who supports and strengthens the people of God. Now, in our generation, we have a vast social security net by government. We have health care. We have all kinds of support systems that are provided by government and various charities and so on. But still, the church is looked upon as a place of generosity. There are people who will go down the yellow pages and churches phoning for help, because Christians are known as suckers. They fall for a sad story every time. Their heartstrings are easily pulled. And that's because the Christian church has a reputation of being generous, wanting to help, a place where they don't want to turn people away. And while we know there are those people who take advantage of the system, yet we are in a ministry where the law of kindness and the law of help ought to prevail. And these are opportunities that we can use to share the gospel message. When I get a phone call of someone who is in particular need, uh, I wrestle with that. Uh, number one, is it a legitimate need? Is it something that people really want? And so I feel most often that it's my obligation at least to investigate and to visit and to at least meet with the person. We have a rule that we don't give out money. Uh, we seek to give out food or vouchers where people might purchase food without being able to buy cigarettes or tobacco or, or alcohol. And we try to be as wise as possible. But these are opportunities. And the Christian church ought to rejoice that God brings these opportunities our way to minister and to show the love of Christ to men and women. Now, you'll notice that there's built into these verses some promises. And I want us to look at the promises of brotherly love. It says, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Unawares. They didn't know 
they may never know. Don't go looking for them. When you show kindness, and when you make and befriend, either in your home or in the church, do not go looking for angels. That's not what this portion tells us. But it shows that the Lord sees, and the Lord blesses, even unknown to us. God blesses in many ways. I have here an account. I wonder if you can listen to this. It's going to take a few minutes. Um, I'd like to share this with you. It is a, a, a little story by a man called H. Melville, and it's about it's a special article on angel visits. Now, it is better worded than I could preach it, and so I hope you're ready for a good listen. It'll take a few minutes to work through this, but if you listen carefully, I think you'll get the picture that is described here. So, let me start. There is no reason for thinking that under the Christian dispensation, angelic beings ever assume a visible form, though we have nevertheless the comforting assurance that they are all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them that shall be the heirs of salvation. But the visit might be like that of an angel, inasmuch as the visitor might bring rich intelligence as to the glorious things of the invisible world. What is there to prevent God from enabling one of our fellow men to discourse to us so exquisitely on the deep things of our faith and the beautiful and harmonious things of heaven, that the effect shall be literally the same as though as he had commissioned a cherub or a seraph to take human form and speak in human speech. We will give you as nearly as we can the scene which was likely to occur in the early days of the church. And here's the scene. We suppose a Christian family gathered round their fireside. In times when the profession of Christianity exposed to persecution, they are themselves almost dreading the coming of the Inquisitor, and they are startled by that knock at the door, fancying that it may proceed from some sinister uh, of cruelty, but there is only an aged wanderer who solicits admission, and the storm pleads for him as eloquently as his gray hairs. So you get the picture? Here's someone at home startled by a knock at the door. There's a storm outside, and it's an aged man knocking the door. Shall he be refused? It is not unlikely that he is some poor victim whom the dogs of persecution are hunting down. If we admit him, he may be tracked to this house. And then, without being able to shield him, we shall also ruin ourselves. But the master of that house is too staunch a character to be deterred from duty by the fear of consequences, simply reminding his family of the precept, 
Be not forgetful to entertain strangers. He opens the door and bids the old man welcome in the name of the Lord. And the stranger, whilst partaking the proffered hospitality, enters into conversation, and finding that they are Christians who have so kindly received him, seeks to recompense the kindness by discoursing on Christianity, and he pours forth all the treasures of his experience and enlarges on the mysteries of redemption. He is one who has thought deeply and felt deeply, and as he dilates on the love of God in sending his own dear Son, and explains the blessed and marvelous manner in which the provisions of the gospel meet the wants of fallen creatures, or speaks thrillingly of the exceeding great and eternal weight of glory, for which the trials of life are only a preparation. Every eye is fast riveted upon him, and his voice falls in every ear as some unearthly sound, but most sweet and most musical in its unearthliness. Here's the question now. Is there any reason whatsoever why this might not occur? Why it might not happen in any age in the church? Though more likely, when persecution had caused the excellent of the earth, like the master whom they served, to have not where to lay his head. And when the old man, wearied by his own high stretchings into mysteries and glories, had sunk to repose, would not the amazed and delighted family say one to another, as the disciples who had journeyed to Emmaus, did not our heart burn within us while he talked to us by the way and while he opened the Scriptures? Would not their feeling be as though they had received into the circle the inhabitant of a better world, known not indeed by the wing of light and the eye of fire, but by wisdom drawn from gazing upon God. And would they not exclaim, Oh, well hath the apostle followed up his precept. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers by saying, For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Are you yawning yet? That's a long little piece. But it thrilled my heart. And it made me to realize that the good, the kindness, the opportunities that we take up, God is able to reward us and multiply the blessing to us. And so don't pass an opportunity. Don't stop showing the love of Christ to those who are in need. Because by doing that, we become effective witnesses. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples when ye love one another. By this we will abide in the Lord Jesus. And by this we shall know the peace which the Lord brings to the hearts of his people. And it is in these kind of works that joy, the joy of the Lord, fills our hearts. And it's in this that we bring forth fruit 
unto the Father. One more little statement. This time is by John Owen. When men designing that which is good do more good than they intended, shall or may reap more benefit than they expected. What about looking for that opportunity this week? Putting God's Word into action. Let brotherly love continue. Think of someone. Pray for the Lord to bring someone to your mind, into your path, and go the second mile to minister to that person in some way. A word of help, a word of encouragement, offering your time, taking them for lunch, bringing them a little book, something to demonstrate brotherly love. Now, brotherly love includes sisters as well. We will never regret serving one another too much. Our selfish nature, our carnal instincts, causes us to back off, to lose those opportunities, and thereby we lose out. We become the poorer because we don't serve. And I trust that this will be written on your heart and that we will obey this exhortation, let brotherly love continue in your heart and in mine. And sometimes when we are friends, we have to rebuke. We have to come along and say, you know, this is not helping. I can see a problem here. This is a weakness or a failure, and I think we can do better. Be honest one with another, but don't stop letting brotherly love continue. Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak, and this is Ian Golliher. I hope that today that you have been encouraged. Uh, we're coming up to Easter time and want to just bring another little thought about the death of our Lord Jesus. There are depths to the death of the Lord that we need to truly consider and understand that to die as a substitute for sinners to make atonement for their sins required the death of the perfect, sinless Son of God. And we need to understand the sinlessness of our Lord Jesus. And for that reason, he became man, but he was not born of natural generation, but by a virgin conception. And the miracle of the virgin birth, the supernatural birth, led to his supernatural life, and, of course, his supernatural life leads to his supernatural death, uh, which means that his atonement is of infinite, eternal power. And our hope is in the infinite power of Jesus' death for us upon that cross. Now, William Nicholson, writing on this in 1862, stated, these words are full of joyful interest to the people of God. 
they contain the sublimest doctrine of the gospel, the sacrificial death of Christ. To this subject, the believer can apply in every moment of spiritual anxiety and embarrassment and find strong consolation. Vain are your accusations, Satan. Vain are your lightnings and thunderings, O Sinai. And vain are your scoffs, O children of sin folly. Christ is mine. He undertook my case of guilt and condemnation. He voluntarily became my surety. He stood in my place and bore my sins in his own body on the tree. The design of Christ in coming into the world was not merely to become an example of virtue or to die as a martyr for the truth. As some affirm, who deny his divinity and atonement. What a meager view is this of Christ's work. It is impossible to consider with unbiased mind the phraseology of the text and context without considering that the death of Christ was sacrificial. Oh, this is the hope of the believer in the Lord Jesus. Christ died as a sacrifice, not just a martyr, not just an example, but a sacrifice to pay the debt and guilt of sin, to turn away God's wrath. And another key word is propitiation. We'll have a look at that tomorrow. But now we'll turn to our song at Calvary. Yes, I stand in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca 
CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Mm-hmm.